Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. some great songs, man. But also um, what I love is that, you know, we want to incorporate more and more just this idea of prayer and not just prayer from the front out, right? Is this idea of when we come together, sometimes there's weird, like we adhere sometimes to kind of weird rules in in kind of a church setting. Because we're like, hold on a minute, you can't talk, you need to be really quiet, like don't say anything during communion, don't, you know, and, and certainly you can't like look at the person next to you and pray together, right? I mean, what is this, a church or something, you know? And, and I love that because here's, this is what it's all about. Like if we aren't a group of people who are not just in love with God's word, but a group who's devoted to prayer, then we become a club. That's really what, a club of good people. All right. And so that's what we want to follow the way Jesus is telling us to follow. And we want to be a people of prayer, not just here, but devoted in every part of our lives. So I love that. I like we'll work through some different things and some clunkiness. But, man, I'd I'd love for that to grow more and more. Um, And so at this time, what I would like for you to do, though, is to just have a little bit of prayer time on your own, just a time of silent prayer. And I'm just I'm really asking you for one thing is that you pray and just have a very honest conversation with Jesus. All right. From a standpoint of like it simply could be Jesus, let me hear you today. All right. And here's the other thing. And I, I preface this often. You know, your relationship with Jesus might be you may be angry. Right. You may be like upset. You may feel like what like your relationship with him, you're wrestling Okay, and that's okay to have that honest conversation. It's, man, I'm angry, I'm wrestling with this, help me, right? Because here's the deal is um, there isn't another speaker in the world that's going to be able to outpower the Holy Spirit, okay? There really isn't. And there are going to be some things that I say that God may go, man, I don't want people to hear that, and he'll just shut you down, and he may change, I don't know, all right? Um, but I do firmly believe that we are doing something different here than just reading a verse and like you hearing my commentary on that. OK, so let's take that time right now. Pray right where you are and then we'll continue. Father, thanks for bringing us here together. God, you have woven our paths together father and uh we everyone in here god we're we're in all kinds of different places in our life and we've been different places geographically and and this morning we're here together father and um, i pray that we leave here god please with great courage to change and to follow you to have courage not to go along with what kind of the normal world says we should be doing but i pray that your word penetrates our hearts Um, and that we help one another. We pray this in your name. Amen. Okie dokie. So where are we? Uh, As Adam said, uh, we are like our word of the year with the church is renew. 
right? We're talking about this entire year, this idea of renewal and this need for all of us, right? No matter where we are, whatever you, like whatever place you're in in this journey of faith, um, we need consistent renewal in a whole lot of different ways. And so we're taking this entire year, rather than just taking a couple weeks here and there, and really digging into this idea. And we've started a couple weeks ago with a case study. We're going through the book of 1 Corinthians. So hopefully that's helpful to you as well, because you can go home and you know what we're going to be reading next. You know where we're going with this. Um, Hopefully with what we're sharing, that these are things that you take with you um, and that you dig into them as well. But this is a case study. Uh, The the church in Corinth, man, um, is a mess Okay, the more I read it, though, um, the more kind of empathy and compassion I have because I see myself in there. Right. I mean, this was a church that was so influenced, heavily influenced by their world around them. Right. And the world around them consisted of good people and consisted of people trying to do the best they knew how to do in some cases. But as we noticed, you know, is is these guys and these ladies come into the church and man, there's just all kinds of worldly influences and pressures and all these things. And so it's this constant, we're, we're reading this letter that Paul is writing to them. And in essence, he's, he's saying, guys, th- there needs to be some renewal here. Like let's recalibrate. Let's go back and see where did we begin? What was the gospel and where did it begin, right? So it's interesting because, um, you know, in order to really change, in order to get our attention, me and you, we have to have our life disrupted. Okay, and, and that may be a different view of church than you have, right? It might be like if you view church as a place I go to get something that's going to ultimately make me live a better life. Okay, you're, you're missing a little bit here because when we're in God's word, right, this is going to be disruptive for me and you. And sometimes it's really, even in our own quiet times, it's really easy. I can notice myself when I'm studying being so stubborn, right? Because I'll read, I'll be reading the Bible and I'm going, hold on a minute, man. Why is this like, I'll just be stubborn about the repentance that is needed in my life, about the humility that's required. Okay. And so whenever we're faced with God's word, just be aware of what's going on inside Because a lot of times we have like that inner small child inside of us that's like stubborn and just kicking and all of these things instead of going, okay, hey, let's let's hear this. okay, let's really. But but this is going to be disruptive. All right. It really, really is if we allow it to do that. You know, the disruption that we're probably most aware of is when the electricity goes out. Right is, man, the, the power goes out and, and your life has been disruptive on any number of levels from the phone you can't charge to the appliances you can't use. And could you imagine weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks without power, how you would be forced, me and you would be forced to change so radically, okay? And so we have a point of reference from this, but the Word of God, this is, this is something something different, but it is, we are going to hear some things in Corinthians that I think will disrupt us. Even if you're like, man, I am a, I I have been doing this for years. All right. God is still in the business of disrupting us. So we're going, hold on a minute. Let me consider how I'm living. Let me consider what I'm doing. Let me consider the why, 
right? Why am I doing these things, okay? So you can turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is where we're going to begin. And the entire chapter, all right, let me go ahead and, and plant a seed in your head, okay, of a summary of this entire chapter. And we're going to come back to this. But here's what ends up, in, in everything we read today, this is going to be the field of battle. Right? It's not about me. It, it, we're, we're, it's, not, it's not an individual thing. This isn't about me. It's about him in us. All right? That is vitally important to know. Because we're going to notice some things with the Corinthian church. But I want us to just kind of let that sink in. If you're taking notes, to write that right there. But we're going to go ahead and start reading. We're going to start right there in verse 1. And it said, I'm reading, uh, by the way, um, different weeks, I'll change versions. If some of you guys have noticed this, um, I'm using the NIV today. You know, we can go into all kinds of, I'm not against like particular versions or anything. Um, I just like to kind of switch around periodically. So I'm just letting you know in case you're reading in a paper Bible and you're like, what is this? It doesn't look the same. Um, this is the NIV that we're reading out of. So right here, verse one. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You're still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? All right. So let's not go too quickly past that section. All right. If we were to put ourselves in the place of the original hearers, okay, we're in Corinth. This letter from Paul is being written, and keep in mind, if we're truly in the Corinthian church, we don't think super highly of Paul. All right. Even though Paul planted the church, even though Paul had been like our father in the faith, there's some issues against Paul. But now this letter is being written. And I want you to think if you heard, I can't even address you as spiritual. All right. He said, I have to address you as worldly. And he said, there was a time when you were like a little infant. There was that time because you had just come out of the world and you just needed milk. And, and, and Paul supplied that. Okay. But he said, but now, see, that was okay. But now it's just sad. Because it's been years. Because you're missing the big picture. All right. And, and here's the deal. I haven't been given any kind of like telepathy or anything like that, that I can go and go, okay, I know exactly who this is for. I don't know what that is. This is where this requires like just a level of intellectual honesty and thinking, man, could he say this about me that I couldn't be addressed as spiritual, but worldly. And hopefully what we think about, what we look at next will kind of help walk us through that. Okay. A lot of times we, we focus in on the idea of they were saying, I follow Paul and I follow Apollos. Okay, that was normal in their culture. 
Okay, I'm, we're going to keep reminding you of what they knew in their culture, and that was an identity in somebody greater than them, an authoritative or a, a teacher, a coach, something like that that they identified with. This is what normal life was. And so naturally, when it came into the church, they were like, well, I'm with this guy, and I'm with this guy, and I'm with this guy. All right. But there's this, there's this effort of going, hold on a minute. This isn't about you and your identity. All right. He's, he's saying, guys, you're missing the big picture. When we start like attaching our identity to things that aren't Jesus, whatever that is, we're missing the big picture. OK, so let's take a look at this. They, they were missing this picture. First of all, they they didn't play well together. All right. Now, here's the thing. We could probably stop right here and just take a really hard look. And I, I want you to answer this question for yourself. If you're a disciple of Jesus, how well do you play with your brothers and sisters? All right. Because he said before, he says, man, when there's like jealousy and quarreling and envy, he says, he's just, well, you're mere humans. See, see, mere humans can't participate in what God is trying to do in the world. You see why you're missing the big picture? Because if we're just being humans, there's nothing distinct about God's church. And so this is one of those things we just, we've just kind of got to sit in a little bit, all right? And here's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nudge you just a little bit. What I found, and, and what I found in me, and what I found in my experience as a disciple, is oftentimes when... I have something like some kind of beef or some kind of attitude or feeling like I'm being neglected in some way, shape, or form. There are quite often times where it's not a them problem, it's a me problem. That's a hard truth to swallow. That, that makes people angry. I've been angered when I've heard that before. When I'm like, yeah, they don't play well together. And it becomes kind of like all of a sudden the finger went out. See, if everybody, and, and what I'm going to say is just let that finger point right back in and, and go, hold on a minute. Let's, let's take a look at this. All right. T take a look in yourself, right? They had envy and strife. Why? Because this is their culture. It, do you think our culture is like that? Do we have a culture of comparison? Do we have anything like that? Of, do we have a culture of competitiveness? You know what's crazy? We take competitiveness like that is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. I'm not kidding you. I've never seen, you know, disciples. I mean, man, over the years, you had disciples going, well, I won't participate in this church event because I'm too competitive. Then repent. It's not a badge of honor. Listen, here's the deal. I, I am a ultra, ultra, I was an ultra competitive person. All right. The Holy Spirit doesn't keep you that way. All right. We're not competing against each other. You see what happens in a community? He's saying you're just worldly. You're competing against each other. You're quarreling with each other. You're envious of each other, right? So when you look at this, and we're going to keep broadening this out because Paul does such a great job in this chapter, but he's just like calling us out. And for us, this might be the simplest one. We're going, yeah, we get comparison. We get that. Man, we are addicted to comparison, this is probably like almost every one of us in here is probably way more influenced by being compared, like how we're comparing to others. All right. 
And in Corinth, it wasn't different. In fact, in Corinth, you needed to have this comparative, competitive attitude because you needed to get above the next person. That's that's a seriously sad state of affairs when it happens in the church. It, It just is, right? This is what they were a part of. They were competitive. The, the Corinthian way was win, beat the other person. Remember, we talked about there were the kind of the quote unquote, like not the Olympic Games, but another st- type of games, the Isthmus Games, the Isthmian Games that were similar. And it was like, no, you beat the other person. You win. You train harder than the other person. In fact, for us to see eye to eye, that's not good. Right? You, you need a place in society that's above other people right? to gain an advantage. And so why do I say at the beginning that like I have a level of empathy and compassion? Because I start to see that there's a whole... Man, I had 23 years of the world in me before I became a disciple. And it doesn't just go away like that. And what's interesting is even as we're disciples for a long time, we still get influenced by the world. And you can see that oftentimes me and you, We'll make decisions, and it's not even that we're trying to make bad decisions. Like, I can't tell you, you've done it before, and I've done it before, where we've behaved in a certain way, and you're like, oh, man, why did I do that? Why did I make that choice? Okay, and a lot of it is, is because this is what the culture has trained into us, right? And so it's, it's again, it's the idea of we are, we are more affected by our culture than I think we realize, And it's really important that we understand that because the Corinthians, they were being trained. This was part of their renewal process. They had a way. So wouldn't it be great if there was a way to like transport ourselves back to first century Corinth and we could walk around, we could see the marketplace and we could see the different schools where you could go and and, and sign up to be trained to be in the Olympics. You could become a, a student of a philosopher You could, you know, all of these different places. Wouldn't it be cool to look around and just walk around and absorb what they were absorbing? Their way was this. Every school, every sport was you had to gain advantage. This is what they learned. And so when they got in the church, they said, well, this is how the church must work, too. And it's a difficult progression. Simply put, though, here's the thing is God said, here's my way super simple, all right? It, we, we could stare at this all day. It, it is one of the simplest, most concise, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I've loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples. Right? By this one thing. Right? You, you see where the Corinthian church was missing out? You see, you see where we can miss? As we begin being competitive and comparative, and who does he think he is, and who does she think she is, and, and, and we become battling one another and like trying to like get into this pecking order, like don't, you know, I don't want people to think I'm, I'm not smart and not all of these things. And all of a sudden we have this way that's just, we're just mere humans. And he's saying, here's the way. The world will know that you're my disciples by how you love one another. And you've heard that before. We say it a lot. 
the Christian kind of evangelical world says it a lot, right? This like the, the, the scripture I hear consistently during a, during a week is Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. I'm going to say, hold on, pump the brakes for one second. Just saying words doesn't mean anything. Okay? Because you might, that's not a code. That's not a code to get into heaven. That's, that's how to live. Okay? So that's really, really important because that may be what needs to be disrupted in our life is stop saying things that you don't know anything about. Right? Stop saying Christian things. In fact, here's how you do that, okay? Because, you know, man, I could get a degree in this. All right? Is ask yourself, what does this look like in my life? <laughs> hey, man, love God, love others. Okay, hey, stop, Keith, for one second. What does that look like in my life today? <laughs> not, not last month. Not like, hey, eight years ago. I'm talking about like active right this second. That helps me and you not just say the things, okay, is that. So we're going to go on here, but I want to reference this next verse because it, it hopefully gives us even a greater definition of this idea of love for one another. What kind of love? It says right here in 1 John 3, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Okay, so, so let's stop a second. Let's test us. And, and let me look at that and go, man... Have my brothers and sisters experienced this love from me? Now, here's the thing is, is if the expectation is everybody will hit like everybody in the room with something like that, that's not the, the, the point isn't like this checklist of, man, I missed out on Lucas this week or something. But it's the idea of this is, well, is this my normal like operating system? This is my normal, is this idea of love requires a sense of sacrifice which means that I don't get something, so someone else does. So, so think about that in your Christian experience. Is that the operating system you live, on, or you live by? Is it doesn't matter? He says, if you see, and again, one of the things that has been incredibly encouraging this year is to see all of the different ways that people have been meeting other people's physical needs through sacrifice. That is awesome. We've got to keep like rolling that on, okay? Because that is absolutely incredible. But that's got to be our operating system, okay? Is for me to look at this and go, man, um, is this my own operating system here, right? If I refuse to abandon the way and the wisdom of the world, then I'm, uh, by refusing to do this, then God's church stays indistinct. Okay, and we forget, the, we forget what church is meant to be, right? It's this word, and the kids are going to write this word down in their notes, right? It's ecclesia, right? It's God's plan of going, no, I'm calling my people out, uh, right? I'm not just sprinkling pixie dust on people in the world and just you stay there doing the same thing, right? I'm calling them out, right? And so it's, keep in mind, 
what Paul's plan is, what Jesus' plan, what God's plan is, is that the people, the church, the community of faith would be called out in a way that glorifies God, that people go, that, that's who I want to be with. I see what I'm missing by the love that they have for one another. Not because you're better, not because like you have better quiet times, but the quality of love that people see, right? But if we're going to hang on to any, if we're going to hang on to other things, like, no, man, my marker of being a Christian is I was saved years ago, so don't talk to me about it. All right? It is, man, get past this idea of your, your conversion experience was like your like, day in and that was it. Uh, like, we got to be really careful about that, okay? Because a lot of times that's where the, that's where the inner child kicks back. Because we're like, no, 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 I don't want to hear this. I'm a Christian. I'm saved already. Paul even said before, how can the love of God even be in you if you don't live this way? Here's something that may be helpful, okay? This is just like a little tweak, a tiny little tweak. It's helpful to me, right? Is this idea of when I'm loving my brothers and sisters sacrificially, meaning like, listen, What's better for you, like, then, then I, I, I sacrifice. And that looks different Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It just looks different, right? But here's the interesting thing is, do you have this? Do, do you have this kind of, like, zeal that you're thinking, I can't wait for my friends to come and meet the church, like, I can't wait. Be, not because it's like the coolest people in the world, but because it's like you're going to see love like you've never seen before. Right? I can't wait. Uh, just if, do, do you have that? Okay, a lot of times if I'm not invested in loving sacrificially my brothers and sisters, I'm kind of like super critical and just like down on everybody. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, whatever. So we just had a wedding. We just had a wedding on Sunday. It was beautiful. It, made, it reminded me of my wedding and Abby's. She was there too. We were both there together. <laughs> okay. And, and, and here was the thing. This is what popped into my brain. Um, so there was one thing I wanted. My parents, aren't, my parents weren't Christians. My brothers weren't Christians. They lived in California. We are getting married in Florida. There was one thing I wanted right, was I want my family to come and see the church, right? Yeah, 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 we're going to get married, okay? That's great. That's awesome. But they have to see the church. And you want to know what's crazy about the church? They were frothing at the mouth to get there. I'm not kidding you. It's like they knew, man, there are going to be people at this wedding that might never come to church, but they're going to be at this wedding, and, and you wonder what? They're going to get to see the love of the church. All right? When that stops happening, then things just become about us. And so this was something, because here's what's an interesting thing to me. Um, years afterwards, when my brother was baptized into Christ, he said, I, had, I knew my life was in a bad place and I had found the right place at your wedding. He said, I looked around and I saw people and I saw how they were interacting with me and interacting with each other. And he said, it came to me instantly. This is what I've been looking for. 
All right. And it's crazy because he drove all the way out. You know, my story with my brother is kind of silly because I didn't want him to move out. <laughs> I thought he was going to be a persecutor of the church. I was like, stay, don't come out. And he drove all the way from California. And his drive out was basically this journey of repentance. Like he, he literally was just going through his life. Like he stopped smoking on the way out. He stopped like getting drunk on the way. You know, all these things. He's like, these things need to change. And man, when he showed up, he's just like, where, where do I go? Okay. But, but here's the thing is, is see, God ha- God's way is so much better than our way. And God's point of this called out people is to say, listen, when we love this way, it will blow people away. That's the point. That's the big picture that the Corinthians were missing, right? They were so busy, like jostling for position. They forgot we're in a city of of the lost. We're, We're missing this point. We have so many opportunities for this to happen. We have so many opportunities. Like I said, weddings, it, you know, it's, here, here's, here's my take on those, okay? Is find the largest building for the least amount of price to pack in as many Christians as you can, okay? Because I'm telling you, people become disciples from weddings, okay? But here's the question I do, you know, if you were at the wedding last week, was that your attitude going in? Was, was it? Did you go in going, man, there are some folks in here. I just, I want them to see the love of the church. I don't want them to see the world. I want them to see us, brothers and sisters, loving each other. I don't want people to walk in and go, hey, you know, where are the Christians? All right, that's, that's not what we want, but we have all kinds of celebrations for this. We have birthdays, we have all of these things. And remember, our goal isn't how can we look so close to the world that people will be like wanting to be a part of the church, okay? It never works that way. Listen, here's the deal. I spent a lot of time in bars. I spent a lot of time in clubs in college. I spent a lot of time in those, okay? Listen, there was nobody in there in in the club that I was like, oh man, I want to find out what they're doing unless it was like a really pretty girl, okay? Oftentimes what we do as Christians, though, we're like, no, what's going to be great is they're going to see us in the world not behaving like them, and that's going to glorify God. No, it won't. You, you telling me a selfish world is going to become like uber convicted in a club? I'm like, come on, grow up. Like you're missing the big picture. Our goal isn't to how can we look like the world, and then somebody sees us doing some like kind deed. It's that we're called out to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, okay? That's it, that we have a new king, all right? And so, again, we have opportunities. I want to challenge you on this. You know what this requires? This requires that you're spending lots of time together. This requires time in prayer together. This this requires intergenerational relationships, all right. So it's not campus kids that come out and hang with campus kids and then older folks hang with older folks. It's the idea of, man, this is the beauty of it is you, you mean you can have like this tight, close, deep relationship with somebody that's not even in your season of life. That kind of goes against our Christian culture. Right. Because what we're told is unless you're exactly like me, you can't understand me. And, and in Christ, that's the complete opposite. 
Like we need each other. Like I need people that aren't like me, that aren't my age, right? I, I need younger people to be like, dude, stop turning into an old fogey, okay? I need older people to go, listen, dude, stop listening so much to the younger people, okay? Like I got to have this going back and forth. So, I, you know, I need help. We all need help, right? So anyway, that, that's the thing. I, my prayer and my expectation for us at the Clemson Foothills Church is that, man, we are frothing at the mouth when we get a chance, when there's a celebration of some sort to go, man, you're going to come in and you're going to see some love. All right. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 3. Okay, he says this. What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? I, here, this, I, I put the, that in blue for this reason. He doesn't say who is Apollos. Right? There's a reason behind that. Like, what is Apollos? Apollos is a piece of this thing. Right? It's not a matter of who he is. It's what is he? He's getting in mind a greater lesson he's trying to teach us. Okay? What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned uh, to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants, the one who waters, they have one purpose, and they'll be rewarded according to their labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold or silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what's been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple. God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. So listen, there, there's, we can keep like getting in deeper and deeper. Like you can take such a deep dive into Corinthians. All right. But we also have to take this idea of like, what's this big picture? And do you see how Paul is like building this up? He's going, you guys are like a bunch of individuals, all like, you know, like fighting with each other and quarreling and, and all of these things. You're trying to follow Apollos and all of these different guys. And he's going, hold on, let me bring it on back here. Okay, let me keep reminding you. And then he tells us in this section. Listen, he, here's the deal. We are part of a building, not one that's been built already. It's in process. All right. As a disciple, he, here's the big picture. God is building his church, it is being built. And you're going, okay, well, like, who's it being built with? Well, I mean, it's lost people becoming disciples, right? And they're added in. And this is the building. This, this building process is going on. If we forget this, 
like we're going to miss the big picture. Okay, so here, here's the thing. Paul is going, man, God is about process. I wonder how many of us think like church is this static thing that's like it's just right there and you go there and like you do your thing and then you try real hard during the week and you get super guilty and then you come back to feel less guilty. Instead of this dynamic, he's saying, you want to know what? Paul and Apollos and by God's grace, all of us are like brought into this purpose of building. Like we've got to be convinced of this, is that there is this process. In fact, he says we're co-workers. This week, just like go Monday through Friday, Saturday, you know, looking back, has that been the case in life? The week before, the week before that of going, what are you? I'm a co-worker in the kingdom that's being built. I'm a co-worker in this. Like I get, God allows us through his grace to work with him. All right, it takes intentionality, it takes focus. But again, we're talking like bigger picture. Everything Jesus taught in his ministry that we get caught up in, okay? Like we say things like, oh man, you know, don't make it about rules and don't make, is, is you're missing the point is that he's going, no, I need to build builders. <laughs> like he's teaching us how to be a builder. Okay, so when he's talking about obedience and unity and forgiveness and reconciliation and all these things that we want to kind of push back against sometimes, we're forgetting that the master builder is trying to build little builders, okay, that know how to do it his way, right? And so again, we're just taking, like we're just zooming out and going, oh man, this is, this is less about like all of these little kind of minute issues Am I allowing myself to be transformed into somebody who is a co-worker with God, building with him, like actively a part of this, right? And the payoff isn't immediate. It comes the next generation. It is truly culture, right? It's not the first generation. It's the second generation. It's the third generation. And I don't mean our children. I mean the next generation of disciples and the disciples that come after them is how this is built. So it's slow and steady. It's slow and steady. We've got to be committed to the process. Don't deceive yourselves. We're, we're going to go ahead and finish up here. Don't deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools. So you can become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it's written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or all the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. So again, we see that pop up, the idea of wisdom and foolishness and like, hey, guys, here's the deal. Let's like in the world's eyes, do you have the courage to look foolish? That's what this is going to take. Because it's absolutely foolish to be sacrificial for someone else's benefit. And, and I know me and you want to control that. Like we want to go, no, 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 I want to be sacrificial, but at the times I'm not doing anything. Okay, I got an hour off on Monday. Man, I hope there's some time to be sacrificial. See, sacrificial, sacrifice happens when I'm in the middle of doing something. It's when I want something else, right? And so again, he's saying, man, that's foolishness. 
James wrote this. Okay, great question. Who's wise and understanding among us? We could all, who is that person? Let them show up by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, you find disorder of every evil practice. Okay, we're going to start to see how the foolishness of the Corinthians is affecting their life, their marriages, their interactions with one another, their, their idea of sexual morality. Okay, we're going to start seeing this, but I love that James says this. He said, let your life be known by its humility. Here's the interesting thing about humility is humility is about other people in our life. Like to practice humility. All right, is to be in relationship with somebody. All right, this isn't an individual thing, and I want to keep drawing us out of that because here's the deal. Paul was drawing the Corinthians out of this individualism of like being the best and being the greatest and being known, and he's like, and, and James even said, man, when there's envy and selfish ambition, listen, here's the deal. Live a life relationally that is humble, right? That's wisdom, don't harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition. So anyway, we're back to this, okay? This is what we're back to. Consistently driving this into the church. Man, it's not about me. It's not about how great I am. It's not about how much I know. It's not about what other people think about me. It's not about that. It's about him and us. And that's shown in how we love one another. Right? John 13, as I've loved you, it, it's not worldly love. It's as just as Jesus loved us, that we emulate that. All right? that that's the challenge for us. That's the renewal challenge right there. Okay? And then just a few things. Is, this is a helpful analogy for me. Stop looking through the microscope. Start looking through the telescope. All right? Sometimes, man, we're so like locked into this microscopic view of everything. We, we've got to look back and go, hold on a minute. There's a whole universe out there. Man, you mean there's this huge plan God has to reconcile every human being on the earth. All right. If that doesn't like overwhelm you just thinking about that, man, that's a deal. We've got to be workers and builders, but it's like we got we to gotta look at the telescope and go, man, are we loving in a way that is consistent and, and, and fits into what God is trying to do in the world? You know, you don't have to do this right now. It might be awkward, okay? But I want you to just take some time when we're together, whether it's a devotional, whether it's the cookout today, whether it's here, look around and think of who is it I don't know? This is a small group. Who is it? Who, who would I look around and go, no, 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 I don't love them. Because this is where the stubborn comes in. Right? I, I've been wronged. I won't love you. Or I don't like you. I don't like these things. And, and here's the deal. It isn't like just snap your fingers and make everything go away. This is where me and you have got to spend a lot of time together. Have to. If we're going to sacrifice for one another, but if there's people in here, you're like, I wouldn't give up a thing for that person. 
Okay, that's where we've got to be renewed and, re- and we need to repent of that, right? We want to challenge our views. So that's that. We're going to stop. Uh, but a ton in this passage. I know some of you guys are going, but Keith, there was so much more in there. Of course there was, you know, and you can go and dig in and all these things. But really standing back big picture, this is not about me and you. This is about him and us.